I'm so thankful that you're starting 2019 with us this, this morning. And, you know, yesterday I was at a coffee shop and I ran into some folks that are from our church and, and uh, we were just talking about, I can't believe it's 2019. I mean, can you believe that? 2019. Uh, time just goes fast. And, uh, and we were just talking about, you know, at the end of the year, you always hear these uh, these uh, terrible reports about look at where we are, look at our culture, look at the gender problems we have, global warming, all these things that are that are uh, fears and world powers and and just fears that are that are broadcast all over the place. And and, and you know what? The truth is, there are some real serious issues that we're facing in our in our nation, in our culture, in our lives, but. But you know what's amazing is that we get to be a church, that God has allowed us to be a church in this, in this time, in this time in the history of the world. And, and you know what I love about that truth, that reality, is we know the Lord. And, and God gives us power. And we know what sin produces. We know the results of, of, of the best the world has to offer. It, it leads to pain and suffering and frustration and, and it just doesn't work. Sin doesn't work. The world's view doesn't work. The world's path doesn't work. And, and we follow Jesus and we have life. And, and the Bible says life that's abundant life. And this is why I am grateful as I look at being a part of a church moving into 2019. We get, to, we get to share the gospel with people all over Tulsa and, and Owasso and Skyatook and Claremore and, and, and Collinsville. And we, God is, we come from all over the place here. And, and we get to go with the gospel message to a, to a world that desperately needs Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm excited about that call. I'm grateful that we get to be a church in the, in the spiritual battle in Oklahoma, around our nation, and all over the world. And that's what we're going to do in 2019. We're going to move forward. And this morning, uh, I'm excited about the challenge today. Because I'll be honest with you, this, this part of God's word challenges my heart. You know, um, several years ago, there was a guy in our church in, at Council Road, and he was an interesting guy in the community. He was, a, he was from Yukon, Oklahoma. He owned an insulation business. And, and Barry, man, he was lost. He was lost. And he would go to these big cowboy bars and would rent a limo and would wear a mink coat. And he was just an interesting cat. And, uh, and, and we watched him get saved. And man, when Barry got saved, he was one of those guys that was all in. And, and, and that's kind of where we're going to start the year. We're going to be all in. I, I, Barry was a trip, okay? When he got saved, he had a Lincoln Navigator, and, and he, went, he took it to the shop, and they put flames on the side. And then on the back, he said, it said, these are the only flames I'll ever see. Okay, so he's driving that all over town. He, he had a Harley, and he put flames on his Harley with scripture verses. And, and, and you know, he just was, he was radical. He was all in. And, and you know, kind of us cool Christians were like, Barry, man, just relax a little bit, man. It's okay. And, uh, and I, uh, one day I had the idea, the bright idea, Barry, why don't you come with me? I've got to fly to Mexico, and we got to 
kind of get some stuff ready for a mission trip, you want to go. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm there. And uh, so we go to Mexico, and, and man, when he, just the thought of sharing the gospel in Spanish, he didn't speak a lick of Spanish, but, but he didn't care. <laughs> and and uh, he was so fired up, and we're on the plane. We're, we're flying out of Harlingen, and we were flying southwest. And, and it was crazy because we got in line B, at the, we're at the very front of line B. I don't know if Southwest still does that. But, but Barry's at the front of line B, and he's turned around talking to this lady. And, and he didn't do anything quiet. I mean, if you're going to put flames on your navigator, you're not quiet. Um, and um, so he's talking to this lady, and he's witnessing to her. Well, you know how it is at airports. Everybody's awkward, and they're just standing there quietly looking forward. Barry's turned around looking backwards at everybody, talking to this lady going, you need to get, give your life to Jesus. You need to get saved. Jesus saved me. You know what I used to do? And I'm like, easy, Barry. Don't tell people what you used to do. And, um, but he was like, just this lady's crying. I need Jesus. Plan A or line A and line C and all of line B heard the gospel that day. And, and it was just like... I was like, Barry, man, chill out a little bit. But I couldn't say that to him because I kept going, golly, we need to be a little more like that. You know, I think we got a little, we, we need to lose our coolness a little bit, right? And, and, and this morning, we're, we're going back to the book of Acts. And what I love about this, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, you know, part of me wrestled with, okay, we've been in Acts a long time. And, um, and as we were, planning this and looking forward to how how we're going to start 2019. I was going to try to wrap up the book of Acts in four weeks because we've been in it so long. And and I kept studying it going, yeah, we can't do that. It's going to take us longer. Because there's so many good things about Acts and and the Bible. And, 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 you know, I really do believe that the the best soil that we can have, as, as we move into 2019, I love this idea of good soil because we got work to do. We've got a job to do. God has planted us in this place. And, and I'll tell you, we've got responsibility, and, 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 and it's my prayer that we embrace our call as a church. And the best way to embrace that call is to understand the Word of God and to, and to systematically walk through it and understand it. And so this morning, we're going back to the book of Acts. Now, just as a reminder, let me just remind you about the book of Acts. It was written by Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and then the book of Acts. Do you know that that, those two books are so long that it makes up a fourth of the New Testament? A quarter of the New Testament is just what Luke wrote in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts. And it's an important, important book. The book of Acts, it's incredible because it provides this this account, this powerful account of the life change of these apostles, Peter and, and John and James. These, 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 were, these were Jewish common guys, and, and, and yet they saw the resurrection. They saw Jesus die on a cross, and then they saw him raised from the dead. And their lives, they completely changed. And you know what? That's happened to us. Our lives have changed because of the resurrection. The book of Acts provides this, this interesting uh, revelation of how these lives change. The book of Acts is, is also interesting because it's this transition book. It, it provides the gap that we see from, from the moment that Jesus rose from the dead to the church starting. 
And the book of Acts is kind of that story unfolding, how, how the church starts. And, and we're still in that church age. The, I mean, we're still a part of, of God planting churches in places, in communities, and God's people coming together, serving him and, and impacting the world for Christ. And, and we're still in the middle, middle of that. Acts is kind of the beginning of, of what we're doing here and what we're called to do here. Acts is also this incredible transition of, of this group of people that got this negative name that, you're, oh, you guys are followers of the way. And, and they were kind of looking at them, slamming them, saying, oh, you're a follower of the way. But these followers of the way began to so focus on Jesus and so follow the Holy Spirit that here we are in Indian territory in 2019, still talking about Jesus. The gospel moved to a worldwide faith, and it's just so incredible that, that the book of Acts is it's just such a beautiful, important book for us because it shows how the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And here's what I want us to see as we start 2019, that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And it's my prayer that we as a church, as individuals, as, as a community of people, that we are in the middle of God's will. And, and that's kind of what we're going to dive into today. That's, that's the challenge I pray we hear today is, Lord, may I move into 2019 smack dab in the middle of your will. Isn't that how you want to start the year? Isn't that, isn't that how you want to continue your life? Right in the middle of the will of God? Oh, it's critical. Now, Acts 21 is where we are, so turn there. And in Acts 21, you see Paul, and he's finished his three, his three missionary journeys. And we've tracked through that. This Acts, it's interesting because it's called the Acts of the Apostles. And Acts 1 through 12 kind of follows Peter, John, and James, and, and the Apostles. But then after chapter 12, the, the camera moves and it turns to Paul. And, and Paul kind of follows these three missionary journeys that we've walked through. Acts 21 Paul concludes his three missionary journeys, and now he's on his way to Jerusalem, and we'll follow him from Jerusalem all the way to Rome, which is this incredible journey. But, but we got to understand, I want you to remember, because it's been a few weeks since we've been in it, Paul was, uh, was, in his third missionary journey, had gone to all these Gentile churches. Because there was, and, and, and we remember, there's a big conflict going on. The Gentiles and the Jews are fighting with each other. They're struggling with each other. And this is a big conflict because, you know, these Jewish Christians who looked at Jesus and said, look, you fulfilled all the law. These laws that I've kept that go all the way back to Moses, Jesus was the fulfillment of those, and, and they were grateful. And, but yet they kept being Jewish. They kept keeping those customs. So they were, they were keeping the dietary laws. They were keeping the circumcision laws. And then Paul goes to these Gentiles, which I'm grateful that Paul went to the Gentiles because that's us, most of us in this room. I bet 99% of us are Gentiles. And Paul went to the Gentiles and said, look, the gospel is for you too. And they came to Christ. And, and, and these Gentiles get saved. But, but they were like, man, I, I'm, I'm so thankful I put my faith in Christ, but I'm not going to follow the circumcision laws. Um, 
I still like bacon, so I'm still going to eat my bacon. And, uh, you know, aren't you, as a Gentile, aren't you grateful we can eat bacon? Who says, amen, bacon? Bacon's great. I mean, uh, I didn't have any this morning, but it's good. But these Jewish Christians were like, you can't eat bacon? You, 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 this isn't working. They were mad at each other. They were frustrated with each other. And Paul had gone through this. We looked at Acts 15, how the, the, the conflict was, would, had come up to a boiling point. In Acts 15, Paul had gone with Peter and, and all the apostles, and they determined, look, you don't have to keep the law to be saved. And they, they did Acts 15. They had a council, and they said, you are saved by faith alone. That's how you're saved. You're not saved by keeping the laws. So the Gentiles were right that they didn't have to do all those things to be saved, but they were still fighting. And so what Paul did, as he finishes his third missionary journey, he took up an offering because the Jerusalem church was struggling. And what he was doing is he was wanting to deliver that offering with a group of of Greeks and a group of Gentiles. They were going to go to Jerusalem with Paul, and he was going to give them that offering. Because, you know, that makes sense, because where your money is, that's where your heart is, right? And so they were, Paul was really working to try to bring the Jews and the Gentile believers together. But they were struggling. That's where we pick up today in Acts 21. And as we, and I want you to know, we're not going to get very far because God just stopped me as I thought about our church. We've got to be in the middle of God's will. And God just stopped me here, but let's, let's look at this. Would you stand? We have a, pra- a practice in our church that we stand in honor of reading God's word. It's simply just a statement saying, God, this is your word to us, and we receive it, and we look at it. Verse ch- ch- chapter 21, verse 7. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. And on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When he heard this, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded... We ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now I want you to notice something in this passage. Paul was, was excited about going to Jerusalem. He was excited about trying to mend these fences between the Jews and the, and the Gentiles. And, and, and then he gets this really interesting message that this trip to Jerusalem is not only going to be, uh, be difficult, but this bad boy is going to be dangerous. It's going to be a, it's going to be a dangerous deal. Now, notice verse 7. Um, when he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with there one day. And now, on the next day, 
we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. And he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, as I was preparing this message, I mean, God kept stopping me right here. Because I was praying, Lord, we, we, I pray that we're in the middle of God's will. Lord, I want to be in the middle of your will. I want, I want us to move into 19 in step with you, following you right in the middle of your will. And I kept stopping at, at verse 8. And there's a lesson for us. Because look at this. Paul, he departed, comes to Caesarea, and he entered the house of Philip, the evangelist. You know who Philip is, right? If you go to Acts 6, Philip was one of the deacons. He was one of the Greek deacons that, that were appointed, set apart as, as servants in the church. Remember when the apostles were teaching and they said, we need some guys that are serving. Philip was a deacon. He was set aside. And, and who was one of Philip's buddies, his servants, his friends that he served together? Remember Stephen was one of his buddies? And now... Remember what happened to Stephen? That, that Stephen was the first martyr. Acts chapter 7 records about Stephen. He gives a defense and says, look, Jesus is, is God, and, and, and he, he serves the Lord. He shares the gospel with all these people. And, and what happened? He was killed. And who instigated that whole thing? Saul, who is Paul, before he got saved. And I kept just stopping here going, Lord, if we're going to be in your will, look at this amazing, beautiful picture of forgiveness. I mean, Philip, can you imagine that meeting? Paul, you, you killed my friend. But yet Philip, now the evangelist, and, and man, I hope I get that title when I get to heaven. I hope I get to be Chris the evangelist. I would love that. But, but you know, Philip, now the evangelist, welcomes Paul into his home. You know what I kept thinking? God kept stopping me because if we're going to be a church, a people that's on that good soil, that, that is growing in our walk with the Lord, do you know that forgiveness becomes normal? And grudges are released. That's point number one today. Point number one is this. If we're going to be in the middle of God's will, forgiveness is normal for us. Grudges are something we release. And, and, and you know what? Maybe God has kept stopping me here because some of you will not be able to move forward in the middle of God's will as, as we move into 2019 embracing this call if you don't forgive somebody that's in your life. Because, you know, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we're compelled to forgive one another, right? Because we've been forgiven so much. I find that when I have a grudge against somebody, God often quickly reminds me that, look, Chris, you've done just as bad or worse as that person has done to you. And God teaches us that as, as followers of Christ, we, we who've been forgiven much, that we're compelled to forgive others. And so I think it's just a beautiful picture of Philip receiving Paul. He stayed with him, stayed in his home with him. And, and it's an important lesson. And, and here's what I, I think we need to understand, that, that God moves us to accept one another in spite of our past mistakes, right? 
And we're moved to accept one another, to forgive one another. That's the whole point of, of Paul going to the Gentiles and the Jews bringing these people together. Look, we've all made mistakes in the past, whether it's your religion or whether it's your paganism. We all needed Jesus. And I pray that we as a people as a church, understand that we've got a big job to do. We've got an important role to play in this city. God has in, been intentional about planting us here. And if we're going to move forward, if we're going to embrace the call that God has for us, we've got to be forgiving of one another. And I love that. But Romans 12, 10, Paul wrote, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And see, I think it's important to realize that, that God moves us to treat one another like family. We're family, and we, we're in this together. In the, in the, this, we're called by God together to be together. And it's going to cause us, move us to forgive one another. I look at the big problems in our world, and folks, I, 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 I've read the end of the book, and I know that, that man, it sure seems like, like God is setting the stage for his return. We're, we're moving more and more against the Lord, and, and it's just such a crazy thing that we have to deal with all these, these ideas that the world is throwing at us. And part of me, some, sometimes I think, God, you've got to be coming back soon. But what if, what if all of us in this room we'll see, we'll walk through that door called death before Jesus returns. And the Bible tells us that in the last days, there's going to be persecution and difficulty and, and trouble for believers. What if we are raising the children and grandchildren that will be bold enough to stand up against that persecution? Will they be able to look back at, you know what, my grandfather taught me about Jesus. My dad stood for Christ. Are we going to be that kind of people that raises the generation that will stand for Christ when time gets, times get tough? Man, I pray that we are a people in the middle of God's will. But notice verse 10. While we were, oh, well, no, before I do that, let me just point this one verse. This has been on my heart, 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 9. I've got it on the screen here, and I want you to see it. Peter writes, before, before we move on, I want you to see this. Peter writes, the end of all things is near. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? that we as a believer, as believers must understand that, you know, I don't know if Peter wrote this a long time ago, but God has given it to us. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, love, keeping love, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And so when I look at the scriptures, I can't be, I can't miss this experience with Philip and, and Paul and recognize that to be in the middle of God's will, we've got to forgive one another. And I pray we do. Now verse 10, Acts 21. While staying there many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, 
This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Now, that makes sense, right? I mean, think how crazy this is. I mean, Paul's going to Jerusalem. He's going on this mission trip. He's doing this good thing. And then Agabus comes up and, give me your belt, dude. God's told me to tell you something. And he binds his feet, his own hands, binds his feet, and says, Paul, this is going to happen to you. Now, how many of you would think, oh, thank you, Lord, for telling me this. Now I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. That would be a good warning. Uh, I mean, Paul had already done this. And uh, earlier, he had tell, shares his testimony. He talks about that, that the, he, God told him to leave Jerusalem because his message would not be received. And he left. And all this fruitful ministry happens to the Gentiles. Well, here, Agabus comes up and says, Paul, this, this is going to happen to you. And so the people are, you know, rational and it's common sense. When we heard this, we and the people, verse 12, urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Paul, don't go. Don't go. Now, it, let's, let's stop here and ask the question, should Paul have gone? Was he wrong to go? Because he went. Was he wrong to go? It kind of makes you feel guilty. Like, how can we ask that question? That sounds terrible. How can you say, Paul, you shouldn't have gone? You're Paul. You wrote most of the Bible, a lot of the New Testament. You see, if, if we're thinking, the, the, the con side of this, the, the reason he shouldn't go is this, this was a warning from the Lord. Agabus the, says, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. Makes sense. If, if you were going to go on a mission trip, I mean, Rob Rizzo went on a mission trip uh, a couple years ago, and, and, and he had a wreck on a motorbike and almost went off into a, into a, a river and he stopped it because he's a karate sensei master. He stopped it, the motorcycle, and cut his leg open and, and bandaged it up and flew back home and got off the plane and went straight to the ER. Now, if I would have go, if I'd have been a good pastor, I'd have said, Rob, God has told me not to go because you're going to cut your leg open, you know? Uh, you know, sometimes we think about those things and we think, well, that's a warning. God, would, God was warning Paul in advance. But look at what Paul says. Verse 13, Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm not only ready, for, for I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You know what I, I, what I love about Rob? If I would have told Rob he was going to get hurt, Rob still would have gone. Paul's like, hey, okay. If this is going to happen, what are you doing? Why are you breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Can that be said of us? Could you, could you honestly say to God, Lord, I'm ready right now to go wherever you tell me to go. And even if it means my life, I'm ready. Let me tell you something. If you don't hear anything that is said today, 
That right there is how we must enter 2019. Going, God, I'm ready for whatever you bring our way. Because let me tell you something. I know that our culture is declining. I know the morals are declining in our world. And I know that there is great problems ahead of us. But we must not be a people that sit and gripe and complain about that. But we say, God, we are ready to run into that battle. And a church that's in the middle of God's will says, Lord, I'm ready to do whatever you call us to do. I'm re we're ready to even die for your name if that's your call on our lives. We're ready. And I love verse 14. And since he would not be persuaded... We ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. You know what is so cool about that? Paul would not be persuaded. He's like, I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go. I don't care what comes my way. And see, what I love about the Lord is he prepares us in advance. We know what the Bible says about the last days. We know that, that people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, disobedient to their parents. We know morals are going to decline. We know all these things. And we're called as a church, God in his sovereignty has called us to live at this time to run into that battle and to raise up a generation who is equipped to follow Jesus and walk with the Lord. And this is why I pray we must be a church that's in the middle of God's will. And you know, when I, when I think about this, how do you know the will of God? How do we know the will of God? Well, it's, um, we know the will of God by his word. The scripture reveals his will to us. This is why every week I've got to do a, everybody that preaches on any of our campuses, we've got to be in the word of God. We've got to know the word of God. This is why in all of our Bible studies that we have, whether it's the men's Bible studies in the mornings or the ladies' Bible studies in the evenings or the, the, our preschool, our children, our students, we've got to know the word of God because in knowing the word of God, we understand the will of God. And this is why I've got to resist that pressure that, hey, okay, our church is going to be bored with the book of Acts because we've been in it so long. That's crazy. That's not from the Lord. We'll never be bored with the word of God. We'll never stop exhausting and looking into and deeply understanding and seeking God's heart through his word. We know the word of God through, we know God through his word. We, 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 we need biblical preaching. We need to memorize and understand the word of God. You know, we're losing memorization. How many of you used to memorize phone numbers, right? Used to memorize your kid's phone numbers or your mom's phone number? Now I just look at Eric Wall with all the stupid emojis that I put by it and, and I don't know his number. We're losing scripture memory. I want to challenge you to recover that. Discipline in 2019. Know the word of God. Be able to memorize it. We know God's word by listening to godly people, right? That God's going to put people in our lives. We're going to sharpen one another. We know God's will by listening to godly people. We know, we know God's will by trusting the Lord in every circumstance. Because what I see God doing for Paul is not saying, Paul, don't go. But Paul, get ready. Get ready because you're going to be bound. And it's going to be difficult 
But see, we're gonna tr- we've learned to trust God in every circumstance. And this is my prayer for us, that we are a church that's in the middle of the, of the will of God. There's no better challenge for us in 2019 to start the year by saying, God, move us to the center of your will. And when I look at Paul, what he's doing, point number two is this, that accomplishing God's plan is a bigger priority than personal comfort and safety. And Paul's like, nothing is gonna stop me from accomplishing the will of God. And and, and I just wanna stand in front of you and say, that's who we must be. We've got to be a people that says nothing will, will, will stop us. We will never be persuaded from accomplishing God's will. Oh, I pray this. Now, how do we do this? I mean, I mean Paul, Paul's like, I'm not going to be persuaded. And they gave up and said, all right, man, may the Lord's will be done. And they yeah, the Lord's will be done. And I think about how I can... As a pastor, I can be in the, in the, in the will of God. I, as as, as our, our church, we can be in the will of God. Well, well, let's stop and rediscover God's presence. Don't you know that God meets with us? God is in this place right now. His spirit is moving. His, his Holy Spirit is leading us. And, and I pray that you often stop and discover the presence of God. Because God is here. And I, I don't want any Sunday for you to walk in this room without an expectation that, God, you have a word for me. Because every time I get up to preach, I'm praying, God, may your word be, be communicated. May, may your spirit move. And I pray every week, turn these water, the sermons that I write, turn water into wine, Lord, because we need your Holy Spirit to move. And we need you to speak, not me. And it's my prayer that we, dis, dis, we stop and recognize that God has given us his presence. And you can know him and you're to interact with him. You're to hear him and walk with him. The other day, I was, I was coming back from the International Mission Board. And, and I'm on the plane and I'm on the last flight from, from Dallas to Tulsa. And I'm on the plane, and this lady gets on, and, and I was, you know, you know how it is when you're like, oh, good, I'm going to have a seat empty next to me. This is great. And then all of a sudden, at the very last second, this lady comes on, and she's hiding something. And I don't, I don't know who she is. I don't, and and she, she's like stumbling, and she goes, here. And she hands me her glass, a glass of bourbon. And she goes, don't spill it. Because if you do, you don't want to see me. If you spill it, I was like, yes, ma'am, I won't spill it. I won't drink it either, I promise. And, uh, and, and so she just plops down, and she's like, oh, my goodness. And she's like, I hate flying. I think we're going to crash. And she's like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. I go, so I'm trying to change the subject. I'm like, so how are you today? Are you okay? And, uh, and she's like, no, I'm not okay. And she goes, oh, you would just, you would be shocked. You don't want to know about me. You would be shocked if you knew about my life. And I said, ma'am, I bet you'd be more shocked if you knew about mine. And, uh, and, and she goes, she goes, she was curious about that. And she goes, well, what, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And then I'll, I'm not going to go off to bleep out what she said right after that. But uh, it's pretty awesome. And, um, and, and she looked at me and said, well, I'm glad, you, I'm, glad I'm next to you because the plane won't crash if you're on the plane. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, uh, 
This is quite eventful conversation. There's a lot to it. It'll be about five different illustrations. I'm trying to figure it out. But, um, but you know what? The truth is, if the plane started to crash, there ain't nothing I'm going to do. She didn't need me. Now, if she sat down next to God, then she could say, oh, if you're on the plane, you were good. Don't you know you have access to the Lord with your circumstance, with your life? And we got to practice his presence. And I, I pray that we do that. We, we, we'll be in the middle of God's will if we practice his presence. We, we also, we, we shouldn't overlook his power. I mean, Paul, he, he understood, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and, and look, I'm going to go because God's with me. You know what else? God's going to give me power. He's going to strengthen me. And can I tell you, when I look at the, the, the bad messages, the, the fear of 2019 and fear of the future, let me tell you something, God's with us. Let me tell you something, God's going to give us power. I'll be honest with you, this has been a really tough week, weekend for me in my life, my family. We're grieving. And I got on my knees before I left my office to come down for our first service and say, God, I need you. I need you today. Because it's hard. Hard time. I'm distracted. And I'm sad. But you know what I've felt? Is God giving me power. He does that. He's done it for me today. He'll do it for you in your life. That's, what it, that's why when I, we should have hope. And we, we're like, oh my goodness, this is the life that God gives us. Don't overlook his power. And can I, you know, it's so intriguing to me as, as Paul says, look, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to give it all for the Lord. Do you realize that I don't know what we're going to face in 2019, but do you know that God may call us to persevere even in the face of overwhelming odds? That's what God did for Paul. That's why he could say, look, I don't care what the odds are. I'm going to follow the Lord. And, and it's my prayer that we, we do this. Because, you know, Paul was like, look, the the." Sharing the gospel is priority. We're focused, I'm focused on that. If it costs me my life, so be it. That's how we ought to move into 2019. You know, I've told the Lord, I've, I've, I've committed to the Lord. I didn't tell the Lord anything. I've committed to the Lord. I don't tell the Lord anything. I just follow, try to follow the Lord. So let me clarify that. But I, I, I committed to the Lord that for the rest of my life, every, every year for the rest of my life, last year I started this, I'm going to have a gospel challenge every year. So as long as I live, every, every year I'm going I'm to develop, I'm going to have a gospel challenge, a personal gospel challenge. And I said, to the, I promised the Lord, I said, okay, if you allow me to pastor, I'll not only have a personal one, but we'll have a corporate one. And so last year, our gospel challenge, our 2018 gospel challenge was to share the gospel with as many people as, as your age. And, um, and that, was a, that was a fun challenge. And I, I hope that, I hope you, you gave that a shot. 
I've heard from many that did and, and that tried and that didn't get all, all of them shared, but they gave it a shot. And, and, um, but here's, the, here's our 2019 gospel challenge. And can you write this down? Because it's a challenge for us. And I, I want us to embrace this. It's my prayer that we embrace this. And I'm going to ask Brandon to come out as we, there you are. But in 2019, rather than sharing the gospel with as many people as our age, can we pray and ask the Lord to help us invest in our one? Who's our one? You know, I love it that Keith, years ago, led our student ministry and led our, our church to my one where they, our students have been challenged to who's your one that you're going to invite to Elevation Weekend or camp. But, but what if, what if our, everybody in our church asked the Lord, Lord, who's the one person that I get to lead to Christ this year? What if every one of us embraced that, asked the Lord for that? Who's the one? Who's the lost person that you should invest in? Because I tell you, there, there are already lost people in your life. People that don't know the Lord, they're already there. And it, it's sad to me because the longer we walk with the Lord, the fewer unchurched people we have in our lives. And I understand that a little bit because we're, we're, we're around believers and we're encouraging believers, but, but, but we should not, we should not forget that God is faithful to put people that don't know him in our lives. So invest in them. And here's how, what I want you to think about. Ask God for one person to lead to Christ this year. That you sit down and get to lead someone to Christ. Once a month, why not open up your house Invite them, invite them to your house. Invite them to dinner. Open up your home once a month to someone who doesn't know Christ. Why don't you trust the Lord with that relationship and boldly speak up about Jesus? Let's pray this year for our one. Because I don't know, there's something that tells me that if I'm not focused on the gospel, on pointing the world to Jesus, there's no way I can be in the middle of God's will. And these days are too important and the times are too trying for us to be a church who moves out of the will of God. 2019 is going to be an amazing year. Might be challenging. But I'll tell you what. I pray we're never persuaded to forsake God's call.